Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Radically Loved Radio. I am joined by a very special guest. This is a person that has been on my wish list for since the first list I ever made for my podcast back back in 2015. She is an incredibly inspiring, beautiful entrepreneur. I was always so inspired by you from the moment that I met Tori because Mm. my partner and Nikeo's partner are like, they've known each other for forever. I don't know. I don't even know how long they're in forever, a long time. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I'll never forget when Tori told me about you. I was like, she made what out of what? <laughs> like for your skin? What? And she what? And she's Kenyan descent. And this is how she learned to who who is she? What does she do? I want to know mm. her. Like, what is this? And I I was just really inspired by you and your story. And obviously over the last course of 17 years that I've been mm-hmm. together, can you believe it's been that long? My goodness. With, with Tori, I've just, I've always just really looked up to you and I've always just followed you along. And I'm, I'm just, I'm really grateful that you're part of this platform now that you're doing this podcast with me. So for those of you that don't have no idea what I'm saying, because I'm just rambling on, <laughs> um, Nikeo is a incredible entrepreneur. She has created a, I wouldn't even, a skincare line that is um, completely revolutionized. I feel the industry of creating something from your heart with authenticity. It's clean, it's green. Mm. And, you know, I just, again, it's like, I don't want to sit here and tell your story. Like I, I'd love for you to tell us your story, but I'm, just, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really honored to, to have you on and I'm excited to introduce you to my audience. So thank you for being here. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. That was the sweetest, kindest intro. I can't, I can't even believe that it's been 17 years. I started my brand 18 years ago. So you've literally been there since the very beginning yeah. um, when I was, you know, I have teach myself. Yeah. And I'm an entrepreneur. No, but I have the first the first round of the stuff that you did, like the the scrub. The original OG coffee body scrub. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's where it all started. And it it always makes me so happy and just so grateful to be able to not only connect with friends, especially in this, you know, crazy time, but but to really be able to 
have friends that are that mirror, that kind of reflection of, of where you've been and been there to support one another. And, and so I'm so grateful to be here. I'm so proud of you and, oh. and for the platform that you've built and you know, creating the space for, for us to share our story. Yes, yes. So God, I have so, so many questions. I'm going to try <laughs> and direct this. Like, first of all, we are in the middle of, uh, okay, we have to acknowledge the state of the world, right? This is, we're in the mm-hmm. middle of a, yes. of a coronavirus. There is mm-hmm. a, a civil unrest happening. There's a lot of mm-hmm. um, uh, uprising of uh, injustice. And there's so much, there's so much light being, being, shined on the injustice of our country and what is going on in the world. And there's also a huge awakening of a young generation uh, speaking up and changing the paradigm of, of even how we grew up in this system and the everything is changing uh, in entrepreneurship during this climate. Like there's just so many things going on, but before we get into any of that, I know, like, where do we even tackle this conversation? <laughs> First of all, you, I, I'd, I'd love to just get, have the listeners know a little bit more about your background. You're a first generation American yeah. of Kenyan descent. You were born yeah. in Buffalo. You grew up in Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, you live in Los Angeles. So yeah. just maybe we can start there, you know, a little bit about yeah. you, know, you growing up in a community that was different um, yes, than, than what, you know, like I grew up in LA, growing up in Oklahoma would be a worlds apart. Like I would have no idea mm-hmm. what that would be like. So I'm just curious about, right. you know, just yeah. how, how that was for you and, and how it shaped who, who you are now. I mean, I know it's a loaded question. Oh, yeah. No, no worries. Yeah. So I am a first generation American of Kenyan descent. And I spent the first nine years of my life on the East Coast in upstate New York and then New York City and New Jersey. And then when I was nine, we moved to Oklahoma because my father started the African Studies program at the University of Oklahoma. And so, yes, dramatically different than my um, upbringing in elementary school in New Jersey, um, moving to Oklahoma. But um, you know, because it was a college town, um, there was definitely, and, and the university did a great job of recruiting people from, from all over um, to come and, and be scholars at the school. You know, while, yes, it wasn't, you know, extremely diverse, there were definitely um, many people from all walks of life. And so, you know, generally um, in childhood growing up in Norman in a college town, it was, it was slightly more progressive than you would assume a town to be in Oklahoma. So I had a pretty happy childhood. You know, I uh, didn't have a lot of people that looked like me in my younger years in elementary and and middle school. But when I got to high school, um, there was only one high school in the town at the time in in our hometown. And so it was very like eighties movie. Like the town was divided by train tracks. There's the East side and the West side. I lived on the West side where there weren't a lot of black and Brown people, more black and Brown people on the East side. Our high school was only a two-year high school, and we joined up in eleventh grade and all met each other for the first time, pretty much. So, so that was, you know, its own bag of tricks, its own challenges. You know, kind of a lot of, you know, that identity. Where do I, where do I fit in? Who do I fit in with? Um, I'm a West Side Black girl, but 
you know, there's more black girls on the East side, but they don't know me. They might resent me. There's mm. white people on the East side don't understand why I grew up on the West side. You know, there were, there were all of those things, but I think being a teenager, take it with a grain of salt and you're already going through your own plethora of, um, experiences and emotions. So I found a way to, to make it work. And, you know, I was in student body. I was a student body president my senior year. You know, I really found a way to just um, kind of figure out who I am on my own. And then I went to college at the university, studied business, decided to move out to LA after visiting LA my senior year and falling in love with the beach and palm trees. And really the energy of Los Angeles, I couldn't probably identify it then when I was so young. But what I realize now is that I was just so attracted to the energy of, of dreaming and dreamers. Mm. And this being a place that you, so many people come to with big, big dreams and, and it's not out of the ordinary. You know, when I was in Oklahoma and I would tell people, you know, I want to move to LA. I either want to be a sports agent, which is hysterical now because I really watch sports, but um, I loved sports back in Oklahoma. It's a very big sports state. And then, or work in Hollywood, you know, people were like, what? Like, you're crazy. You're from Oklahoma. You're going to move to LA and work in Hollywood. And and then when you got here, you know, it, it was just the norm. And so that's what I did. I started working in the entertainment industry, got a job at a big agency right after I graduated, and then kind of worked my way up as a Hollywood assistant found that what I love the most in the business, um, as they call it here in LA, was the fashion and beauty aspect of the business and working with actresses. But what I really loved was being able to spend time with actresses when they were doing shoots, when they were doing their beauty deals, when they were on set, working with their stylists, working with their makeup artists, less than, you know, wanting to read scripts and find them jobs. And you know, one thing I very quickly realized um, at the ripe old age, I guess I was about 25, 26, is that that the continent of Africa was very underrepresented in beauty. And that was important to me. Um, it was an important obligation for me because as a little girl, when I was eight, you know, I had the privilege of my parents taking me to Kenya so that I could spend time with my grandparents, and my cousins and aunts and uncles that also lived there. And my grandmother was a coffee farmer and she taught me my very first beauty secret using Kenyan coffee beans and sugar cane that she grew on her farm. That he passed away before I got a chance to know him was a medicine man. And so he had the ability to go out in nature and extract oils to treat the skin. So, you know, as I said, my grandmother um, taught me my first beauty secret using Kenyan coffee beans and sugar cane that grew on her farm um, and used it to exfoliate her skin, used the sugarcane rods to exfoliate her skin. And my grandfather passed away before I got the chance to know him, but he was a medicine man and he had the ability to go out in nature and extract oils to treat the skin, to treat ailments, to use in ceremony. And so for me, you know, these kind of beauty rituals and beauty secrets and traditions were, you know, steeped in sophistication and efficacy. And I just felt like, you know, we're seeing all these beautiful beauty products that are coming from all over the world, Europe, Asia. Why? And this is early 2002. Why are we not seeing beauty products celebrating sophistication and the, and the incredible rich resources and clean beauty of Africa? And, you know, in early 2000s, people also weren't necessarily speaking to clean beauty, but that was mm-hmm. all I ever knew because mm-hmm. my mom would use you know, these ingredients on my skin to treat my skin, to treat my hair, um, you know, that whole sort of use of, um, you know, 
medicine that comes from the earth to to treat our ailments and our skin was just all I knew. So I decided at the age of 27 um, to quit my job in Hollywood and create my grandmother's coffee scrub and learn how to become an entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. And and to me, I'm like, I think that that's beautiful. That that is the such an innovative thing to do at that time because mm. not a lot of people were doing it that way. It was very mm. much the standard corporate, here's your basic right. wellness products. There was mm-hmm. no and and so when I first Tori told me about it, I was completely fascinated. I was like, wow, that sounds so magical. Like that sounds so uh, so incredible. You know, and and so in the interim of that, you became a, an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and it was, you know, it was an interesting time. I mean, I think for for most of us between the ages of, you know, 27 and 30, such an incredible time um, for shift and change and kind of stepping into uh, your purpose. And so for me, you know, I, I didn't come from, you know, a lot of money. I couldn't just, you know, quit my job and, and make my grandmother's coffee syrup without raising money. And at that time, and I'm glad that I didn't have the information about how few Black women got fundraising for their businesses um, mm-hmm. were able to fundraise for their businesses. I I knew I was going to have a hard time going the kind of VC and private equity route, which I learned a lot about in college because I graduated with a business degree. So I decided to go the angel route and really just went to like my community, my friends and family and said, here's what I want to do. I mean, my parents at the time thought I was nuts, um, that I was going to quit my job and make my grandmother's coffee scrub. They were like, we appreciate the fact that you are bonding and feeling and tying into your roots, but we'd like for you to keep your job and stay thankfully employed. But, um, but you know, I also think on top of being a businesswoman, I'm also a, a dreamer and an artist and, and was with David at the time and, uh, who's now my husband. Um, and you know, he was an artist full time. So I was like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And, um, and so, you know, I went to my community of friends and family. I asked a lot of questions. I asked a lot of questions about how to fund from angel investors um, and so I was able to get just enough capital to create the five SKUs and, and manufacture. But, you know, at the time I was shipping and receiving, I was customer service, I was my own sales associate. I, you know, gave a little bit of my company to somebody who was a publicist so that he could help me with PR. And, you know, it was really grassroots learning how to do mm-hmm. it. And it was a it was a good time for indie beauty. This was the time of like, and I will date myself, like, you know, when brands like Stila were coming to the market and Hard Candy and DL and Co and all of these kind of like artistry driven um, brands, it was a, it was a great time. So I entered indie beauty at a time when people were really paying attention to indie beauty, but I entered it at a time that there were very few women who looked like me in the premium beauty space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and no, go ahead. Go. I was going to say, and sadly, there's still too few of us. Hopefully, more to come. Um, in yeah, this new awakening. Yeah, yeah. And I feel, and I love how you said that. Like in the new awakening, though, awake awakening. Let's <laughs> let's wake up. <laughs> there's there's something so um, special about that too. And I I almost like this what you said about I 
I didn't know a lot of stuff that you said, like, I didn't know actually that this was because it's almost like the more that you learn about a system that's not really set up to really help the female entrepreneur, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a little bit, it can be a little bit heart shattering because it might, it, it might keep you from even trying right. to Right. It could deter you. Yeah. Yeah. I say that to to young entrepreneurs, you know, that I speak to today, you know, sometimes I think, I mean, yes, knowledge is power and we should know our market and we should know our opportunities, but I am so grateful that I didn't know. I mean, and I can only imagine if in 2020, it's less than 0.02% of Black women who get funding. When I started in 2001, I can't even imagine if that number, I mean, what that number was. So for me personally, and the way that I operate and, and travel through life, it was a good thing that I didn't have that information because I'm afraid it would have deterred me and discouraged me. Mm-hmm. What I love watching like young millennial and Gen Z and even women my age who are coming into the business with that information is I love Scrappy, how we mobilize. Um, I am inspired by their bravery because to have those kinds of statistics and still go for it, you have to be such a brave, a brave soul. And so, you know, I'm grateful for that inspiration. And I'm also grateful to be the statistic that quite possibly didn't exist when I started and, and to show young entrepreneurs and, and young girls, you know, entrepreneurs in the making the girls I mentor, it's like to show them that despite the odds that I didn't even know, this is still my job. This is still how I pay the bills. This is what is bringing me fulfillment and allowing me, you know, it's bigger than skin. It's bigger than skincare. It's bigger than the beauty industry, a hundred percent, but it's allowing me the platform to step into my purpose, which I think is to inspire the next generation Mm. of female leaders in this country. Yeah. And that's, Precisely what I wanted to talk to you about because I know that you do a lot of work around this cultivating of new entrepreneurs and and supporting that those dreams. So you're mm-hmm. a, you're a big believer in mentorships. So mm-hmm. do you did you have a mentor when you started this business? Like, was there somebody that you were um, working with? Yeah. You know, I definitely am one of those people that my entire life, I have sought out mentors. I have like made people become my mentors that didn't necessarily plan on being my mentors. <laughs> I ask a lot of questions. I will like pound you for, for information. I like, I think that's the, you know, having parents that are educators and, um, you know, professors and deans, I think that is that, that is the one part of, uh, of education that I really took from them, just seeking, seeking, seeking. And so, yes, you know, when I was growing up, I definitely had teachers that were mentors to me and, and people who allowed me to step into my own power as a young girl, especially at times when you're a teenager and you're insecure, people who said to me, you know, you're a leader in Oklahoma. And so we're going to send you to this leadership academy and you're, you're, you know, someone that kids look up to. And and so we're going to, you know, help you to do work with the Special Olympics and the United Way. So I've been doing that kind of service and work since I was a little girl and, and I was just drawn to it. And then in Hollywood, I had maybe two or three mentors, <laughs> people who actually chose to take me under their wings 
and and help me to get to the next place or, or grow. Um, and that definitely was not enough. It's it's not enough as a woman. It is not enough as a black woman. Um, there are so few still of me, women who look like me in executive roles in in the industry, and definitely more creatives that I think have um, on that side of the business that are getting the attention and notoriety still not at the level, but when I was an assistant and when I was coming up in Hollywood, yeah, I just didn't have it. And so when I started this business, um, you know, Ron Robinson, who launched my brand at Ron Robinson mm-hmm. and Fred Siebel, which was a store here for 40 years. He just recently closed this year, um, retired this year. He was definitely a mentor. The first lab that said yes to me, um, the woman that worked at the lab that actually took my business, because that's one thing people don't realize is like, just because you have the idea, getting a manufacturer is really, really tough, especially when you're a very tiny business with small budgets. And so, you know, the people that were my first lab and, and all of the, I say, I've had a lot of stops and starts in my business, a lot of like new iterations, new, you know, families of investors, new partners. And so, yeah, for the most part, They've all been mentors and, and, you know, mentors sometimes last throughout your lifetime or throughout your journey. And some mentors are there to just teach you lessons. And so, you know, yes, mentorship is really important to me. I, you know, currently mentor, I sit on the board of Girls Inc., which is a national organization, Mm -hmm. which inspires young girls to be strong, smart, and bold. Um, Our programs are usually after school, sometimes built into the school curriculum, but, um, and mostly socioeconomic low socioeconomic um, areas. And so while I sit on the board, I'm also an active mentor in both New York where my office is and LA where I live. And I mentor specifically in their Operation Smart programming because when I was young, when I talk about those insecurities, um, some a major insecurity I had is that I wasn't strong in math and science. I think part of that was cultural, right? Because even though my parents hundred percent challenged me to be great in in all subjects, especially math and science. I think culturally, or, or even maybe it was just the time we were in, we were just kind of taught that boys were better at math and science than girls, and so I believed it. And when I went to college, I decided I wasn't going to take any math or any science because I thought I was so challenged at it, and become a letters and an art major, and and only focus on the classics. And then mm. when I decided I wanted to go to business school, which was at the end of my sophomore year, I had so much catching up to do in the math and sciences just to meet the prerequisites that I needed to be able to enter the business school. And I, you know, had to do a real crash into taking a bunch of classes over the summer and and extra classes at night to catch up in order to apply to the business school. And what I realized very quickly is that I actually was great at math and science. Those were some of my best grades. And because I had to challenge myself to catch up, that's when I realized that it actually came a lot easier to myself than it had, than I'd ever given myself credit for. And so I, that's why I work with these girls from the ages of five to 18 is to show them that we're great at STEM. STEM jobs can be fun. Having your own skincare or makeup line or hair care line is actually a STEM job. It's based in science. and you know, to those girls that are, are challenging themselves at a young age to want to become engineers and build bridges and, and do these incredible jobs that have also been so male dominated and seeing them coming from their adversity, knowing that they have that power. I find that I'm often more inspired by them than I think I even inspire them, you know, mm. but that I inspire them. So, so yeah, mentorship, I think 
can be the real difference between somebody going for it or not. And, yeah. and so my mentors really helped me to, to stay the course. Yeah, I love that. And one thing that I will mention is Radically Loved is a uh, donor to Girls Inc. We have donated. So that's awesome. I I love that and I love them. Yeah. So um, I'm telling you like everything. I'm like, oh, she's posting about this thing. We have to go. We have to go. Oh, I guess I love that. Well, you've got to come meet the girls when when we are able to to. get them back in school or do one of our like programs that we're doing for them virtually right now. They're just the greatest kids. I would, I would be honored. I would absolutely love, love that. Yeah, this is, I think it's really important to be able to have teachers and mentors in our lives, especially Mm -hmm. when, especially as women, number one, as women, especially as women of color, like it's, Mm -hmm. it's such an important thing to be able to have some sort of guidance, some sort of bigger vision. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I grew up in East LA during the LA riots and I grew up in not a great environment. There was not mm-hmm. there was no mentors. There was nobody really to look up to. You know, there was a mm-hmm. lot of sort of complacency and you were there was no expectations. It was like you just you went to school and you didn't, you know, don't get killed. You know, like that was like your expectation. And it's like, okay, really, there's no other, there was no semblance of like upward mobility or desire for higher education Mm -hmm. or even college. It was just kind of like, kind of go through the motions and this is really what's expected of you, you know? And so for me having, I was, I can so relate to that you, you kind of make people your mentors. You kind of seek those people out and you just mm-hmm. say like, no, I want to, I want to learn from this person or I want to, right. to be able to see what I can, I gather from this experience. But I feel like Absolutely. that has to, there has to be, it has to come from that, the place of desire or, or even maybe having a little bit of that vision because mm-hmm. there's a lot of women, even now that I speak to that just don't, they can't see it. They don't see right. it or they don't feel like they can do it or they feel like the system is designed against us right. or it's designed right. to not really help us. Right. And I feel like Okay, maybe it is true. It's kind of like what you were saying, mm-hmm. where you're you're glad you didn't know, because if you did know, and so a lot of this knowledge is now out there for us to. Mm-hmm. I want to start a company. Oh, what are the odds of me getting a loan? Not good, you know. Where it 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 puts you in the state of already defeat, where right. Right. if you have the right people around you, if you're listening or you're following the right people, mm-hmm. it could just re-inspire you to, to right. you know, it's like have have that belief, I, having faith, right? Just believe. Right, that, have faith, yeah. You know, and I think, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you on that. But, you know, one thing I will say, because when I do speak to, you know, a young black or brown entrepreneur in the making, and they and they say those things to me. I I hear them and like I honor I honor you and I, and I speak of my story of not knowing what the statistics were, but but here's where you win, and this is where the optimism and why more more especially women need to start businesses and help save this economy is that there are so many resources. Right? There was no LinkedIn. There was no social media. 
I didn't know of funds that wanted to invest in women and definitely didn't know of any funds that wanted to invest in Latina or Black women um, back in the day. So while, yes, those statistics sadly are true, what's even better is that there are these resources and there are these funds and there are more resources to research, to, to ask. There are so many people, um, especially in the state of the world right now, who are trying to figure out a way to live their lives in a better and more authentic and truthful and compassionate way and, and to be anti-racist. And, and part of their agenda and their plan is investing in women, investing in brown and black people. And so, yeah, you know, what we have known up until this very moment that we breathe has been very discouraging. But I think, I truly believe and have faith and optimism that without the dark, there is no light. And so those statistics, there is darkness all around that. Systemic racism, even in, you know, listening to you, I must cry listening to, you know, just about growing up in East LA and it's all part of systemic racism. And, and so all of this opportunity to go out there and, and raise, you'll find, you'll find your person, you will find your partner, you will find your investor, believe that. And also know that it's almost your responsibility to go for it. You know, Mm -hmm. um, we all have doubts. I've had some really bad days as an entrepreneur where I ask myself, why in the world am I doing this? This is insane. Um, it's so hard. It's hard to sell products, you know, all of those thoughts. But when I said, you know, when I said earlier about stepping into your purpose for those of us that are considering being an entrepreneur or have businesses where they can consider hiring incredible talent that comes from these humble beginnings that has that maybe didn't come from humble beginnings, but has the same color skin as we do, you have a responsibility to change the paradigm, to change the dynamic. If you have an idea about a business and it's a good idea, get out of your own way, get out of your own doubt, do the work, do the research, because for all of us to do that, and then to in turn, through our own success, give back of our time, of our dollars to brown and black communities, what we are doing is evening the playing field. Because then those people who get that leg up, that get that chance, that get the opportunity to succeed, will return back to their communities and pay it forward and help to lift others. And until we are actually seeing those actions happen, where people from these brown and black communities are coming out and are becoming the millionaires and the billionaires or are being hired by the millionaires and the billionaires, we won't really see change. So the great thing um, is that there is a lot of light being shown on the dark right now. And, and you know, the way that we have lived as a society for so long is not sustainable. And there's too much damn talent in the pools of these incredible kids that deserve better schools, that will come out and do incredible things. And that we'll be able to shine light and, and have a voice when bullies and hatred try to come after them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid about going out and starting that business and doing this as a woman, as a woman of color, especially um, as women. Because when women come together, we mobilize and change the world. And the more women that are 
getting out of their own way and leaning into their own spark and sparkle and beauty and essence and power, the faster we're going to get out of this darkness. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> There's a, that I, I so 100% agree with that. I, a hundred percent. And I, I really, I'm also the eternal optimist. I, I feel like this is what is happening right now is just going to continue to create more of a positive shift. You know, I think it's important as, as women and, and you're a mom. So it's important mm-hmm. just for the next yeah. generation of kids that are growing up. And that's mm-hmm. actually, it's a great segue for me to ask you about having a, a green skincare line because I think mm-hmm. that, you know, I love the environment and I am a big fan of uh, green beauty. So one of the things that I was curious about is, is it challenging to have a green skincare line? Uh, is it more expensive? And, mm-hmm. and why, why don't, why doesn't, don't all companies? What are you doing? I know, I know. It's, that's always the question of, of the day for me, but, um, but yeah, you know, uh, it used to be very, very, very expensive. And there weren't a lot of uh, resources um, and companies dealing in importing, um, harvesting, clean beauty. Um, I think that one of the most important things to recognize about clean beauty is it really starts at the top and our government just does not have enough regulations uh, around what we're putting on our skin, supplements we're taking, food we're eating. And it's just crazy to me because we live in the United States and I've always grown up, you know, believing and, and being taught that, you know, the United States of America is a place of freedom, you get the best education. And you know, that's why my parents chose to live here and not go back to Kenya after they were educated here. So, so yeah, so it starts at the top and there needs to be more regulations around clean beauty. It used to be very, very, very expensive to source organic ingredients. Not so much now. I mean, there's so many more resources. So it's, you know, it's kind of doing the work and, you know, there's preservatives to stay away from. Nobody needs parabens. You know, it's just, it's much easier to make clean beauty. And I do, I do believe being part of this industry for 18 years that I am seeing it go in the right direction. I think that now the consumer is uh, much more wise and, and, you know, is holding these brands accountable for what they're putting out there because we're finally being taught about it, you know? Mm. So mm. for that, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's hard to start any business, but, and it's hard to change your formulations, but you just do it if it's the right thing to do. And so, yeah, I stand by it. And, you know, I, uh, being a mom, you know, I started my brand before I had kids, but, you know, being a mom, especially, I, you know, paid even more attention to, you know, I mean, I would buy, you know, things when I was, you know, the kids were babies and, I would pick it up and just assume like, this is made for a baby. This must not have. And at least I had the knowledge to like, you know, this is my job. This is my industry to, you know, turn a bottle over. And I would shocked at what I would find in like baby shampoo. I mean, they're babies. It goes in their eyes. It goes in their ears. You know, it's for some brands, you know, and, and, you know, since my kids have been babies, a lot of those brands are doing better now. I think it's just, you know, when people... When people take the time and the energy to even putting dollars aside to do what's right, that's when we get to see the positive shifts. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's like 
focusing on the the actual seed that you're planting as opposed to oh what's going to be the benefit of what I'm doing it's mm-hmm. it's working yeah. at or the long term effects you know yeah. it's like for me you know I've always been conscious of you know wanting to make sure that what I'm putting out there with my my name my grandmother's name will stand up to the to the heritage of of why I created it in the first place oh Yes, I love that. And mm-hmm. we love you so much. Okay, I'm going to be respectful of your time. So I've got like, just a, couple, a couple more questions. I know. I want okay. to do this. Um, yeah. I'm this like, do this for eight hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. I, I'm so um, inspired just by you and, and your ability to just be authentic and trans. You know, sometimes that word authentic kind of, it kind of irks me a little bit because I'm just mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just so used so much, but I, I don't mm-hmm. want to... I mean, like there's really your way of showing up all the time in mm. in everything. I am just, again, so inspired by what you do and, and how you show up. And so it's July, 2020, mm-hmm. we're in the middle of pandemic. Like I didn't even get to ask you about that. And I want to mm-hmm. ask you some parenting questions. So you just have to come back so we can talk about that. Absolutely. Like um, yes, absolutely. But what is the, what is, the rest of 2020 look like for you and what are you looking forward to the most? Mm, so, you know, right before COVID in February, I had just launched my brand um, at target.com, which was really a dream realized. I mean, most, I probably said this to you 20 years ago that, you know, I really wanted to have this premium skincare brand and take it into these upscale boutiques and but that my ultimate goal was always that I wanted the brand, which is really based on not just my family beauty secrets. It's based on the beauty secrets of my friends, of my travels around the globe. But when it comes to the sourcing of my global ingredients, I was really um, intentional that I wanted to celebrate the beauty traditions and rituals of women who come from places in the world where our beauty has been under-celebrated. And so that's why I source from South America, why I source from Asia, obviously source from Africa. And so I always felt that Target as a company has done a great job of celebrating inclusivity. And so that's why it was always my dream retailer. Now launching right before uh, you know, COVID and and then my husband getting COVID mm-hmm. and, you know, that scary month of his getting well and you know, my kids being home, still being a teacher and an entrepreneur with a new brand at a retailer, trying to push that at the same time. And then, you know, all around Black Lives Matter coming to a real head. The first half of the year has been challenging. What I hope, I'm optimistic, is that the end of 2020 is really about standing in our own light, standing in our own power. For me as a businesswoman, it's telling telling my family story, having faith that people will find this brand on Target.com and hopefully in stores one day. I'm just keeping the faith and you know, grinding to to see that through. And then as far as society and the world goes, you know, obviously trying to keep my tribe healthy and you know, praying for the health and wellness of everyone and hoping to God that everybody just wears a mask. And then, you know, as we're moving into this election year, and I'm not even just speaking at the national level, which is important that we all 
exercise our right to vote. I'm very passionate about voting. I have been for most of my life because I was born to immigrants who repeatedly taught me how lucky I was to be able to vote and use my voice. So I want to be able to encourage others to do the same. But when it comes to the local elections, really helping um, brown and black people to understand that when we vote, not just for who our next president will be, but when we vote at the local level, that is where we're choosing our police chiefs. That's where we're choosing the people who hire our police chiefs. That's where we choose our judges, all everything that happens in our own backyards. And so, you know, what I hope for the rest of 2020 is that I can be of service in helping brown and black people to get to the polls and, and for all of us, all of humanity to be voting for voting anti-racist and voting for people who will truly help change this dying paradigm for the next two to four years. Yeah. I love that. That's great. That's a great optimistic light to shine. I love that. Thank you. Thank so you. I want to, you know, I always ask people on the podcast to answer this question and mm. it's, about why I started the podcast. So the podcast started as a passion project because I wanted to talk to my friends and mm-hmm. I wanted to I wanted to build a community of like-minded people that believe that the universe works for us and not against us and it's this mm-hmm. idea that we are radically loved by God, source, higher power, whatever it is that you believe in that there is this force greater than ourselves that can put us on the path that is ultimately our purpose, our destiny. And so, and I believe that that is radical love. And so for Mm -hmm. you, how there's two questions. How do you feel radically loved? And then Mm -hmm. what do you radically love? Mm. How do I feel radically loved? I feel radically loved every morning when I wake up and get to live another day. Um, I feel radically loved by God and my angels. So yeah, that's how I feel radically loved. Just getting to to be an active participant of life every day is just a huge blessing. And, and it makes me feel extremely loved. And what I radically love is all of the parts of my life that I get to live. I radically love being a mother. I radically love being an entrepreneur. I radically love being a wife. I radically love being a Black woman. I radically love being a Kenyan American. I radically love being a friend. I radically love being a mentor. And I just radically love living living this life, even the hard part. Wow. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. You're so amazing. For the people that are listening to this or watching this, where can they go for more information? They want to connect with you. They want to purchase your product. Where can they go? Oh, thank you. So you can follow me at Nikeo Beauty, which is N-Y-A-K-I-O Beauty on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the places. Um, and then you can shop Nikeo Beauty at Target.com. And I yes. would really appreciate it. You'll love it. Yes, it is, it is the best. So for those of you that are listening and watching this, all of the links that Nikeo just said will be on the in the info button of this particular podcast. So 
it's all going to be listed there. So you can just click the links, follow her and go to target.com and you will not regret trying this product. I'm I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for for doing this. Please oh, come back again. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll have to do one with the boys. We'll have David and Tori. Oh we my goodness! Couple, yes, we could do a couple's a couple, radically loved. A couple's <laughs> radically loved. Tori and I actually filmed and recorded a how to survive a relationship during quarantine, and we the it. video was messed up. It just was messed up. So I'm sorry, you guys. Oh. I know you're listening to. It. We will re-record, but. Yeah, maybe we should have you guys on as a guest to give us your tips. Absolutely. That might Absolutely. be so great. We would love that. We would love that anytime to see your faces and uh, give Tori my love. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we finally did this. And thank you just for being there since day one, for being like the biggest support system. And, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. You're the best. I really am so grateful for you too. Literally, this is like uh, just love like sister love i just i can't no, i can't even Aww. thank you so much you're the best and for those thank of you, you we're sending you love too we love you too and thank you for being yes. here oh thank you love you honey hey everyone i hope you enjoyed this episode i am so excited to continue to do this please share this with your friends Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.